Oh, yeah. Listen, it's about to go up, because we don't believe in going down, right? It's about to go up on a Thursday night. I need y'all to be prepared. I need y'all to be prepared. This is a type of message you won't hear preached about much, but a lot of people have been affected by it. And I hope that you guys are prepared and that you are ready. This type of message is a perspective message, and by the grace of God, it will bring forth healing. What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me on tonight for Thursday night service. This is part 29. Part 29 of this Try Me series, we have one more, and then we're going into World War Me. Just by a raise of hands, is there anybody in the room, have you ever been drafted in that war? Like you didn't even apply, you didn't enroll, but some way and somehow you were drafted in World War Me. We're going to be hitting that soon, coming in August, um, but on tonight. I feel as though this is a message where I'm being obedient. So you can take a screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world, and let's get to work. Luke chapter 13, Luke chapter 13, we're going to read a few passages of scripture you may or may not remember or recall this particular episode in the Bible, um, but it's going to be the backdrop for our preaching presentation. Luke chapter 13, verse 10, it says, now... He was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, speaking of Jesus, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, y'all look at the pastor, y'all. Verse 14, it says, But the ruler of the synagogue, or the pastor of the church, answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, he said to his congregation, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, Come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. What type of heart type is that? <laughs> Our clause of concern and where we're going to pull over, unpack, and have camp on tonight is verse 10. Now he, referring of Jesus, he was teaching in one of the churches, in one of the synagogues, in one of the temples on the Sabbath. Father, I thank you for this moment. Thank you for this hour. All the study means absolutely nothing if you are magnified, glorified, and uplifted. I prayed myself hot and studied myself full, and I'm praying, oh God, that you use me to be your PA system, your soundtrack, and your oracle. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop the comment in the room? Amen. Amen. Jesus was preaching, teaching in the synagogue. And in the church. Ladies and gentlemen, there is this unaddressed issue. There is this 
elephant in the room, this odor that everybody could smell this stench, but for the life of me, I'm confused on why we're not talking about it. I'm confused on why we don't have many churches addressing this issue, small groups addressing this issue, because it's affecting generation after generation after generation. Baby boomers are affected by it. Generation X is affected by it. Millennials are affected by it. And unfortunately, even Generation Z is affected by this cancer, this unaddressed cancer that's spreading throughout the earth, especially in Western Hemisphere culture. I would like to speak from this topic around this thought for the time that we have together on tonight. Just two words, church hurt. Church hurt. If you never experienced it, I pray you never do. Church hurt. I'm talking about the silent killer of your faith. Church hurt. I'm talking about the painful reality when we're in the army of the Lord and we're confused because we keep experiencing friendly fire. <laughs> we keep experiencing friendly fire and to add insult to injury, the person who shot you was your pastor. The person who shot you was your pastor. It was brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, deacon so-and-so, evangelist so-and-so, prophetess so-and-so. All of these titles, these are the people who are shooting us. And I've recognized, I've arrived to this place. You know what? There's a new breed of snakes. Certain snakes don't even hiss anymore. They just call you bro. <laughs> there are certain snakes, they don't even hiss. They call you bro. They call you sis. They call you my son. They call you daughter. Church hurt. Church hurt. When I have issues on the inside and I want to be free from them. I hate my sin and I want to be free from it. And I came to you, but you didn't introduce me to the chief cornerstone. You took the stone and stoned me. You took the stone and stoned me, and here I am. All I was trying to do was get help. But every time I vocalize my issue, I keep getting demonized. And then you have the audacity to use my issue, what I confided in you, as sermon content. And so now you're preaching about the very thing I confided in you about. That was not supposed to be everybody else's information. My dirty laundry was supposed to be between me and you, but you're using it as sermon content? <laughs> Church hurt. I hope y'all ready. It's going to get real on the night. It's just going to get worse. Church hurt. So instead of me talking to you, since you use my information, I got trust issues. And I'd rather sleep with my depression and I'd rather sleep with suicidal thoughts than to receive your judgment. Church hurt. Church hurt. I'm talking about church hurt where parents are scared to send their children to children's church or to some nursery due to a pope, due to a priest. I'm going all the way there. Due to a bishop, due to an apostle, due to some pastor that touched some little boy or touched some little girl inappropriately. And nobody said nothing about it. Nobody charged up bishop. Nobody charged up the pastor. You know why? Because they're the men of God. They're the woman of God. Church hurt. I'm talking about church hurt that has many families and homes in financial strain because somebody prophesied to you. 
I didn't say prophesied. They prophesied. We just merging words. They prophesied to you and said, yeah, if you come down this $500 line, and who else Who else has a need? If you have a need, sow a seed. Come on, this the $1,000 line. Come on, come on, come on. Holy Spirit, have your way. $2,000 line. Come on, come on. Holy Spirit, have his way. And then don't even let me start to talk about what happened. You come down there, they laid hands on you, but you know what happened? The only thing that happened in your life was you had a shortage with paying your bills. Gosh, we're going to get in trouble. Yeah, they, 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 just, they were just were businessmen taking advantage of your loneliness and your issues. And don't even get me started on telethons. Y'all remember those? Telethons with somebody preaching and say, I got, this, I got this miracle cloth right here. And if you just sow a seed of $69, your leg that's been hurting, if you put it over your leg, you're going to get healed. I got this miracle water that I got from Jordan, from the Jordan River. And if you drink it, you're going to be healed. You just got to give a small seed of $69.99. And please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. I'm not saying I don't believe in miracles because I do. You're looking at one. I'm not saying I don't believe in the miraculous, but I am saying miracles are not for sale. They're not for sale, and they are not used to build my ministry because I never saw Jesus charging somebody a thousand pieces of silver before I could give your child healness from their fever. I've never saw it. Church hurt. Church hurt. And then on top of that, we have church gangs. My church better than your church. My bishop more anointed than your bishop. My apostle better than your apostle. Like, when, when did the church get to a place to where we can have a mafia mentality? <laughs> and pastors silently are competing with other churches. We can't be co-laborers because I view you as competition. Church gangs, mafia mentality. And here I am, all I want to do is get closer to God. All I want to do is actually experience God's presence, but I keep experiencing church hurt. My church is better. And if you're not a part of my church, yeah, that church is fake. If you want the real word, come over here. If you really want to hear, my apostle does this. My bishop does this. That's not the spirit of Jesus. That's the spirit of division. Listen, hell breathes division. Did you hear what I just said? Hell breathes division because the enemy knows there is a certain level of dominion we get when we're in unity. There's a certain level of power we get when we work together. Think about Pentecost. They were all together upstairs in one accord with one spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit had his way. So the enemy's like, okay, I never want them to understand that there's power in unity. I never want them to understand that in unity they have dominion. And I never want them to understand that's how they could dominate devils. So let's create something called denominations. <laughs> yeah, we believe this. We don't. We believe this. We don't. They believe this. We don't believe that. We believe in the fruits of the spirit. We don't. We believe in baptism. We don't. We don't. All it is is division. Division. And let's look what Jesus says about this. In Mark chapter 9, I know this is messing some of you up, but I'm just being obedient on tonight. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. Let's look at this. Now, John answered him and saying, teacher, we, we saw someone who does not Follow us, casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. Doesn't that sound like a lot of churches? Now, let's look what Jesus said. But Jesus said, do not forbid him. For no one who works a miracle in my name can soon after speak evil of me. 
For he who is not against us is on our side. Church hurt. And then I have another question. How in the world did pastors become celebrities? Did, did, did we forget that pastors are supposed to be servants? Like, okay, so you're so cool and you're so much of a celebrity where can't nobody pick you up from the airport, airport in a Honda Civic, but Jesus can come in on Jerusalem on an ass. I didn't cuss. That's a donkey. That's a donkey. I didn't curse. I said, oh, my God. He felt, no, I didn't curse. You need to be picked up in a limo, but Jesus can ride in on a donkey. Why didn't he ride in on a stallion? He's the king. He could have rode in on a chariot and had them blow the trumpets. The king of glory is coming through Jerusalem. He was so humble and so meek that he chose a donkey. And now we have pastors. If you go to their church, there's these big thrones in the pulpit. There's these big seats in the pulpit to separate myself from everybody else. I guess they forgot that real sheep, real shepherds smell like sheep. Y'all don't want to talk. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pastors with the big thrones as though I'm important and I'm somebody special. I guess they forgot. We're not supposed to be mini stars. We're supposed to be ministers. Church hurt. Church hurt. Listen, there's a problem when you're more concerned about your social media presence than God's presence. Church hurt. Church hurt. Church hurt could have it to where there is a woman who is really called by God. There's a woman who really has a gift. There's a man who's really called by God. And instead of your spiritual leader and instead of your pastor providing you with a, spirit, with a runway so that you can reach a cruising altitude to impact your generation like my parents did for my wife and I. Instead of them being so secure that they can provide you with a runway so that you can reach a cruising altitude to impact your generation, they try to clip your wings. You know why? Because your oil reveals their insecurity. And so instead of them taking on the embodiment of an OBGYN and breaking your water so that you can give birth to what God has put on the inside of you, they try to demonize your ministry. They don't try to support you and they don't try to endorse you because you're getting too many likes. You're getting too much attention. But God has called you and you're supposed to be helped and you're supposed to have leaders that can see the gift on the inside of you, that can see God's hand on your life, that can see your anointing. But instead of them helping you, they're intimidated by you. I'm trying. Church hurt. <laughs> Church hurt. And I'm not just up here speaking stuff that I found on Google. If you Google, there are not a lot of people that really speak about church hurt because a lot of people do it themselves. I'm talking about from experience, from a pastor's son. I'm seeing the things that happen in church. I'm seeing the people that we call the spiritual covering. Y'all ever heard of those? People that we call the spiritual father. It, it's amazing because they transition from a spiritual covering to soul hurting. Now I'm hurting and don't even get me started. There's nothing more dangerous than a wounded pastor because they will start to vent from the pulpit. They'll start venting in their messages. They'll start venting in their sermons. You've heard it before. You're not delivering the gospel, bro. You need therapy. You need hurt. You need help because you're hurt. So I really can't serve you because my pain keeps on serving me. But y'all thought it was just, just <laughs> church attendees. Pastors are experiencing church hurt too. Why do you think you have all these pastors committing suicide? Like, okay, let me put this in proper perspective. You are trying to still get over that divorce. 
You watching this, you're still trying to get over that dude ghosting you or that woman ghosting you. You're still trying to get over that bad breakup. Now, imagine experiencing that 50 times a year. Where pastors, I poured into you, I dedicated your child, I married you, I was there holding your hand in the hospital while your mother went home to be with the Lord, I was there for your funeral, I was there for your every single time you called me, but all it took for me is to give one sermon to, hey bro, you shouldn't commit adultery, one sermon about your attitude and they gone, they go ghost, they don't say nothing to us, you don't think pastors are hurt too? Pray for your pastors. And God revealed this to me. He said, listen, you cannot be one that keeps getting infected by everybody else's sickness, but then call yourself a physician. I need you to be tough because there are a lot of people who will not honor the person you are. And you have to understand that honor flies at low altitudes. As long as you stay humble before me, I'm the one that's going to honor you. And best believe, Jerry, it is better that I know your name than anybody else know your name. My presence is better than any social media presence. Church hurt. Church hurt, and this is the crazy thing about church hurt. It's so complicated. <laughs> it's so complicated because some of the most sweetest people I have ever met, I'm talking about like angels, for real. They must know Michael and Gabriel. Some of the sweetest people I've ever met I found in church. But then some of the most mean, I'm talking about more mean than a viper, some of the most evil, nasty attitude always got something to stay, say. There has to be something that constantly stinks because they just walk around like this. Non-stop stink face have been in church. <laughs> so I've met some of the sweetest people and some of the meanest people all in church. This is why you have to have discernment. This is why you have to have discernment. I was reading this book and one theologian put it this way. Discernment is not the ability to discern right from wrong. Discernment is the ability to discern right from almost right. Yeah. That, that's discernment. Not me being able to discern a wolf from a sheep, but discernment is being able to discern the sheep, the wolf that's in a sheep clothing. That's discernment. You're going to need discernment. A lot of us are experiencing church hurt. Like this message right here, you could probably send it to somebody and they won't even listen to it. Why? Not because I hurt them, but because some other pastor hurt them and they already arrested me as a potential trauma giver. For some people, church and pastors in itself, those words are triggers. <laughs> Just the word church is a trigger. You say church, they feel some type of way. Now, now here's, here's, here's my only thing about this. We live in this whole generation where everybody cut off game is strong, right? And I'm like, you know what? Your cut off game is really not strong. It's selective. It's selective because if I be honest, how is it your cutoff game is so strong with the church, but your cutoff game is not as strong with that toxic bay? Yeah, we go in there. Your cutoff game is so strong when anything that has to do with Jesus, but it's not as strong to stop smoking. Okay, let's go a little deeper. So you can forgive a heartless, narcissistic man, but you can't forgive a church that misrepresented the king. So you'll say, I'm done with church, but you still tolerate somebody else who treats you like trash. I'm like, is your cutoff game really that strong or is it a selective cutoff game? Because I'm confused. You haven't cut off that porn. You haven't cut off. Y'all don't want to talk to me. Y'all don't want to talk to me. <laughs> this, 
This, I told you, we coming. I have to bring real because my generation requires real. And a lot of us are suffering because we had a lot of messages that did not talk about real, raw things. And now here we are when we experience a hard season or a pandemic, we're doubting God's existence because we did not go to a place that edified our souls, but it just gave us entertainment. This, this woman in the text has a spirit of infirmity for 18 years. That's like all grade school, elementary school, middle school, high school. <laughs> 18 years of being crooked and bent over. And I don't know if she just got used to being crooked, if she got used to bending over, if she just got used to living broke, if she just got used to men treating her like trash, if he just got used to sleeping with multiple women. I wonder how a lot of us just got used to crookedness. Just used to this state of dysfunction, just used to pain, just used to never having enough, just used to this crookedness. Or was she waiting and hoping for a miracle? Anytime God has you wait, oh, you in good company. Because he had Abraham had to wait on God. Joseph had to wait on God. Noah had to wait on God. David had to wait on God. Even Jesus had to wait. So anytime we feel as though God has us waiting, it is all for the purpose of what he's doing on the inside of you. The problem is, I think a lot of us are spelling weight wrong. I think a lot of us think God put us in a weight room and we're spelling it W-A-I-T, but really it's W-E-I-G-H-T. God puts you in a weight room. I want you to strengthen your faith. I, I want you to strengthen your perspective. I, I want you to strengthen your discipline. I want you to strengthen your prayer life. I put you in a weight room because there's some things that I want you to grow in. I'm not punishing you. Maybe you mislabel it the wrong weight. You're not in a weight room. You're in a weight room. <laughs> this, this woman had the spirit of infirmity 18 years and I don't want you to just focus on the fact that she has this issue and that she's bent over and that she's crooked what I want you to notice is where she's at she's at church <laughs> y'all reading your bible this woman had an issue but she's still coming to church now I understand we're in the midst of a pandemic I do I truly do I miss corporate worship I miss people coming together I do I firmly do what I'm about to say is going to mess you up, but I could back it up with Bible. Can you? Can you back this up with Bible? A lot of us don't understand that, yes, live streaming is great. That's how you're watching me right now. YouTube lives, they're great. Facebook lives, they're great. That's probably how you're watching this message right now. But it was never intent for streaming to be a substitute. It was always meant to be a supplement. Okay. All right. See, stay with me, stay with me, because a lot of people walk around, I don't have to go to church. I am the church. Like I stated on Thursday, that's not totally incorrect, but it is incomplete. Yes, you are the church, but you're just a part of the church. We talked about this. The church is the ecclesia in the Greek. It is the assembly or the called out one. So this building I'm in right now, 10355 Mills Road, Houston, Texas, all it is is a building. But what makes it the church is when the assembly or the called out ones gather here. So yes, you are the church, but you're just 
us a part of the church. Paul puts it this way, the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. All of us individually, collectively make the anatomy of the body of Christ. So yes, you are the church, but you're just a pinky, ma'am. Yes, you are the church, but you're just a thumb, sir. I need every single organ, every single part of the church for me to be complete. It was never meant to be a substitute. It's just a supplement. And in Hebrews chapter 10, it says, forsake not the fellowship of the saints. There's something powerful when God's people get together. There's something mighty when God's people get together. Anybody who attended service regularly before this whole COVID happened, you know there's just something about being in the house. It's great watching through the retina display, but it's just something about being in the house with other believers, shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand, and we're all together lifting up worship and lifting up praise. It's just something about that atmosphere. It was never meant to be a supplement. Substitute. It was meant to be just a sup, su- supplement. God is like, listen, I don't want you to give up on the church because you encountered the wrong church. This woman has an issue for 18 years, but she's still going to church. There was a man who had leprosy on his hand, and he still was in church. There was a guy in Matthew chapter 21, verse 14. He was blind and lame. You know where he was? At church. I'm like, my God, you lame and you blind. How did you get to church? What do all of these people have in common? They pursue despite how they feel, despite their issues, despite their illnesses. They still got to the house. All it takes for us before pre-COVID, if it rains a little too hard. Yeah, I'm going all the way there. If it's a little too cold. If it snows a little bit, uh uh-oh, if the Dallas Cowboys are on at 12 o'clock and service starts at 1130, if you stayed up late because you were watching something on Netflix, y'all don't want to talk to me, you stayed up late because you watched something on Netflix and you have to get up and go to work. It's funny, we have all these excuses, but when it was time to go to the club, come on, y'all. When it was time to party, it didn't matter that you had class, you had an 8 a.m. class. It didn't matter that midterms were a few days from now. It didn't matter if it was cold. It didn't matter if it was freezing outside. The weather outside is frightful. But some way and somehow, you still managed to get to the club. But when it comes to the things of God, y'all don't want to talk. <laughs> we have all of these excuses. And these individuals got to the house anyway. You know why? Because pursuit reveals value. Woo! Pursuit reveals value. Whatever I value, I will pursue. That should be confirmation for a woman who's been asking, does this man really want me? Pursuit is tied to value. And value is tied to pursuit. Whenever you value a thing, you pursue it. You pursue it. Despite everything that happened, these people still came to church. And you know what? I think we have to get to this realization. We have to fall in love with Jesus. Because when I fall in love with Jesus, I begin to fall in love with what Jesus loves. See, you can't be done with the church and then say you want a kingdom man. Because he says, husbands love your wife. Husbands, love your wives like I love the church. 
Jesus is saying, there's a level of love that I want this man to love you. And the way he loves you, I want him to love you the way I love my church. Because God loves his church. Yes, you can be hurt from church. Yeah, there's some stuff you don't like in church. But that's still Jesus' bait. That's still Jesus' bride. And he still died for it. And if we have the heart of Jesus, I understand there's some stuff I don't like. We talked about this on Thursday. There's some stuff Jesus didn't like. He got mad and started whipping some stuff. But later on, he was right back in the text. He was right back in the scriptures. He was right back in the synagogue. He was right back in the temple. He didn't give up on faith because of a bad encounter. And when I fall in love with Jesus, I begin to love what Jesus loves. Jesus loves the church. That's his bride. There's just something about being in the house. This woman had no idea. Let's put this in perspective. What if she would have missed church that day? <laughs> what, what if she was like, my back hurts too much that day? She had no idea that this would be the day that she would be loosed and no longer crooked. Because every single time you gather with the saints, this could be the day you finally get loose from that pornography addiction. This could be the day you finally get loose from insomnia. This could be the day you finally get loose from the, from the adultery. This could be the day you finally get loose from the porn. But you had no idea because sometimes when you come to the house, you don't come just to hear the word. Sometimes you come to hear a word. That ever happened to you? Some of us have dropped in the comments section. It seems like Jerry has come to my house, opened up my email, grabbed the Danish with a cup of soup, sat down, looked at all my text messages, all my inbox, and then formulated a sermon. How did he do that? It's because there are people who are surrendered to God, and God uses those willing vessels and makes him their oracle. There are some people, there's a woman of God that God will choose, he will anoint, and he will make that woman his oracle. There's a man of God that he will choose and anoint and he will make them his oracle because sometimes you come to church and hear the word when you hear the word you say that was a good sermon but when you hear a word you say pastor that word was for me <laughs> something happened in the house and this could be the moment that something in your life is broken because the king of glory is in the house see I know I'm new school but I grew up old school my parents taught me something called good manners they taught me if somebody opens a door for you, your proper response is to say, thank you. If somebody gives you a gift, your proper response is to say, thank you. If somebody's nice to you, your proper response is to say, thank you. And I miss corporate worship because right now I would ask everybody in the sanctuary, if you pause and reflect and do introspection, has God opened any doors for you? I think we should lift our voice and our proper response should be thank you. Has God given you any gifts, a gift of salvation, a gift of mercy, a gift of grace? If he's given you any gift, we should lift our voice and say, thank you if God has been polite to us kind to us and some things we've done we never have seen have never seen the light of day I think it's just good manners for us to just pause real quick and give God a praise by saying thank you because worship and praise is just having good manners <laughs> good manners this this woman 18 years crooked and she's still coming to church I want to ask you a question is your faithfulness to God tied to a deadline you gave him? And before you say no, are you getting more anxious the more you have to wait? 
Is your faithfulness to God tied to a deadline you gave him or will you still love him and be consistent in the midst of your crookedness? Because <laughs> there are a lot of people with this ideology. When I get my life right for real, like when I get serious for real, that's when I'm going to start like, I'm going really, to really love God. I'm really going to start serving God when I get serious. But right now, I know my life ain't there. I know I ain't there yet. I ain't even going to play with God. See, some people play. I ain't even going to be fake with God. I ain't even going to do that. When I get serious, then I'm really going to go all out. The problem with that ideology is you can like seriously die. <laughs> Before you ever make up your mind, I'm going to get serious like for real, you can like seriously get in a serious car accident. You know, I think we are so used to common grace that it has removed the urgency for us to shift from rebellion to repentance. Because we're so used to seeing God show off his artistic ability by painting a new sunrise that we automatically assume that we're going to see that day's sunset. We're so used to common grace. And we just feel as though, I'm going to make it. There was this dude I met in Walmart, right? I'm going to just put my groceries together it's a few years ago. And he walks up and he's like, hey, man, I'm, I'm sorry to bother you real quick. This lady over here tripping, man. Uh, look, man, I need some smokes. I don't know why she acting like she ain't seen me before. Uh, would you mind if I borrow your ID real quick? I just need to get some smokes, man. My baby mama tripping, man. And it's just like a whole lot of stuff going on in my life. I just need some peace, bro. I, I, I just really want to know, can I use your ID to get some smokes? Or would you mind paying for some smokes for me? I'm sitting there looking at this dude. And I'm like, uh, you know, like, <laughs> this is not going to help, right? Say, yeah, I understand. I know, man. I know smoking bad for you. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I ain't going to lie, bro. I ain't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. But I, I just need you to recognize that right now I'm going through a lot, man. I just need some peace. I need my smokes. And I said, all right, um, after you finish smoking, like the whole pack, though, like you think you're going to have peace? Hey, look at me like this. You a Christian, huh? <laughs> he say, you a Christian, huh? Hey, I respect that, Kenfo. Listen, God know my heart. You know, they always hit that line. God know my heart, man. I'll be out here trying, man, and it just be so hard. And I respect the fact what you're doing and you standing for. I'm like, I didn't ever ask for your whole story. Isn't it crazy we could be so used to church hurt that immediately when we encounter a Christian, we have to try to paint a picture that I'm not that bad? Anyway, so he's like, man, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my life right, man, and, and I respect what you're standing for. You know what? But I ain't going to lie to you, my dude. I'm still going to get my smokes, you know what I'm saying? But God God ain't through with me yet. I'm going to get my life right. I promise I'm going to get You know what? Don't even worry about it, bro. I respect you because you care for my soul. You care for my soul because you told me the truth. I respect that. But I promise, though, when I get my life right for real, I'm going to go all out for God. Though. I respect you, though, bro. Have a good day. And I said, hey, man, hold up. I said, you know, you don't. You don't go to Jesus when you're fixed. You go to him broken, and he fixes you. He was like, that's deep, kid. I never thought about it like that. I appreciate that, man. Have a good day, bro. Have a good day. <laughs> Back up. I don't know if this dude ever got saved or not, but I do know he'll always remember this encounter we had a, with another young man that told him, look, this ain't going to satisfy you, bro. <laughs> This is not going to satisfy you. And you don't come to God when you think you fixed yourself up enough. You don't come to God when you feel like you organized your life enough. You come to him broken and he fixes you. And are you like this guy? You constantly trying to fix your life and you constantly trying to fix your crookedness. But I don't know if you like me. You just can't do it. You're trying in your own strength, but you just can't do it. The text says she couldn't make herself straight. And you're trying. It's because you're trying to use willpower, but it's only going to happen by his power. You don't come to God. When you fixed up your life. 
You come to God so that he can fix up your life. This woman had this, this, this issue. And I saw something that blew me away. Jesus says, okay, come here. He calls the woman to her. And he says, you are loose from your infirmity. But he didn't heal her. He says, you're loosed from your infirmity. Look, look, look at the text. I'm right here in the text. Verse 12, but Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Okay? A lot of us don't even recognize our issue is spiritual. She had a spirit of infirmity. The reason you're so depressed, you think it's just what your mama said, but you don't even recognize it's a spirit of heaviness. If you look at the next verse, he says, then he touched her. Look at this. Look at this, verse 13. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. <laughs> Are y'all seeing this? He didn't just loose her. He loosed her and touched her. Because you could be free from some spirits and still crooked. You could be free from the stronghold of some things and still crooked. The only thing that makes you straight is his touch. The only thing that changes your life is his touch. The only thing that can change your mind is his touch. This explains why we have so many mean Christians today, because maybe they've been loose from something, but they never had his touch. Verse, verse 14, but the ruler of the synagogue was indignant. The pastor, just imagine, you got Jesus as your guest speaker. He comes up. And there's a woman who comes in. I'm thinking she comes in week after week, crooked. And Jesus says, you're loose from your infirmity. Touches her, she gets straight. And then the Bible says she glorified God. And the pastor got up indignant. You know what indignant means? He's very upset. <laughs> He's mad. I can just imagine. He's like, hey, go sit down. There's six days y'all can work. Six days y'all can get miracles. Y'all come on them, not the Sabbath. What if I told you there are certain pastors who never want you healed because they stay in ministry by your brokenness? They stay in ministry off you being crooked. And they know if you never read your Bible, you'll never be able to understand that I'm taking scripture out of context to take advantage of you. If I can keep Jesus as far away from the house as I can, but I can get everybody to look to me because I'm the man of God and I'm the woman of God. You'll look to me more than God and you don't even recognize your pastor could be your idol. And there are a lot of ministries. I don't want them to read the Bible because they'll know I'm lying. I don't want them to study to show themselves approved because they'll see that something ain't right here. <laughs> so, so he's like, I don't want Jesus to do his way because Jesus' way gets in the way of my way. And there are a lot of people who have mega ministries, but if Jesus were to come in there, he would mess it up. And pastors, bishops, and apostles would kick him out. Because they have not recognized his kingdom can't come until ours has gone. How do we get to this place? I think we have a wrong view of the church and Jesus. I think we have the religious, we have the claim religious, and we have the non-religious, and we have false religious. The people who present God as a don't-do list, 
don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. Oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. You can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. You can't do this, you can't do this, can't do this, can't do that, can't do this. And so they present God as a God of limitation but not liberation. And so the reason a lot of us experience church hurt, because we went to a religious church. We went to a religious church, not a relationship church. They give you a don't do. See, they don't let you see that God said don't eat from one tree. But you got all these trees you can eat from. The Christian life is not a life of limitation. It's liberation. You got all these trees, bro. Just one you can't eat from. You got all these trees. All of them. Just don't eat from this one. Religion. Religious spirited churches, they get so caught up with us smelling like Egypt that they can't celebrate over the fact that we're no longer in Egypt. These type of places have leaders that want to be served, but they don't like to serve. They don't understand if serving is beneath you, leading is beyond you. And don't be anointed because they can't stand people who are anointed because they hate likes that they can't eclipse. They hate lights that they can't eclipse, and to the best of their capability, they try to make your sky their ceiling. Religious, spirited, churches, and people. Second one, claim religious. Claim religious, to me, are your caption Christians. Caption Christians. Your life don't match the hashtag. Claim religious, I believe there are three phases to this. There are people many times, the reason that they have claim religion is because they have been misinformed. Their construction sites are their socially accredited Christians. They're misinformed. They don't know. They just need you to disciple them. And it's easy for people who don't know to get hurt because every single time they come to church, they're presenting a don't do this, don't do this, don't do that. And so they feel as though I can never be good enough because they're discipled the wrong way. Your construction sites, those are the individuals. God is just constructing them. This is why when you listen to message after message, you get wrecked because God is rebuilding you. He's tearing down some stuff because he wants you stronger. The socially accredited Christians, these are people who just claim to be Christians because everybody else claims to be a Christian. <laughs> these are the ones who walk up and say stuff like this. Hey, I want to thank God for this award. Without him, without my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be here tonight. But their whole album, they were cursing everybody out. They were promoting orgies and drunkenness. <laughs> Just claiming it because everybody else claims it. Claimed religious. Titus 1.16 puts it this way. They profess to know God, but by their deeds, they deny him. They claim religious. And I don't know if you ever got to this place. It's tiring being fake. Fake joy, fake smiles, fake orgasms. It's just tired being fake. Jesus wants you to be real. Then we have the non-religious. When you're dealing with your non-religious people, let me help you so you can stop arguing with people. I understand you may have healthy apologetics. But this is how you can really just stop this whole argument. Is it you don't believe or you won't believe? If they say they won't believe, have a good day. <laughs> That's it. Don't cast your pearls before a swine. The best witness you could ever be is your lifestyle. Let your lifestyle be a billboard. The false religious. This is where I want us to show, I want to show 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4. It says, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus 
whom we have not preached, or if you received a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Jesus loves the church. And could it be a lot of us have a nasty taste in our mouth when it comes to the church because of religious entities, religious systems, religious structures, a whole lot of religion but no relationship. And they have exchanged intimacy for activity. I claim religious. You just claim to know them. But you don't really have a deep relationship with them. And enemy would love for you to be in an atmosphere where they present to you the wrong Jesus so that you can say, I'm done with Jesus. I'm done with all of it. Just like I said last week, nobody gets a bad car and says, I'm done driving. They go find a better carsman. And I want you to know that Jesus is real. And even though the church pain might be real, that does not mean give up on having a real relationship with him. And I understand that this is a real issue. By the grace of God, he's raising up more men and more women of God who will tell you the truth. And I just felt it was needed to talk about this message because a lot of us are done with Jesus because we run into the wrong atmosphere of people who claim to be in Jesus. So, Father, would you touch the hearts of your people? Let us not give up on the church because of a bad experience. But help us to see you with pure eyes, have our own relationship. Just echoing what I said on Thursday, if the church is a spiritual gym, maybe this pandemic has exposed that we don't have a home gym, a place where we can learn and grow. And God also fix our minds. We need each other. I need my brothers. I need my sister. There's power in community. And we pray, oh God, that you give us the right perspective, the right heart, so that we can learn to love what you love because you love the church in Jesus' name.